After falling just short against the Rams on Sunday, the Seahawks have an opportunity to quickly get some redemption and get back into first place in the NFC West with the talented 49ers coming to town. What do the Seahawks need to do to get the marquee victory? And will Geno Smith be part of the equation? We'll be breaking it all down at our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be teaming up with my co-host Nick Lee for today's special edition Keys to Victory Wednesday episode because the Seahawks and the 49ers will be duking it out on Thanksgiving night, tomorrow night. A special thanks to all the 12 as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether you're listening in Victoria, British Columbia, or across the country in Athens, Georgia. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This episode is brought your way by the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code Locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on this Blue Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks going into a short week with some questionable injuries at key positions. Geno Smith being one of those players banged up in Sunday's loss to the Rams. Missed three possessions with a sore elbow. Tricep area return for the final drive. Almost led the Seahawks back to the game-winning field goal. He will be playing tomorrow night. Barring a setback, Pete Carroll, even though he was listed as questionable, saying today that he expects him to play. He looked good, felt good today on the practice field. So the Seahawks will have Geno Smith. That's obviously huge news. They're also going to have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jamal Adams. None of those players, Nick, listed on the final injury report. On the flip side, no surprise here, but Ken Walker the third, all but ruled out today by Pete Carroll. And Abraham Lucas will miss his 10th consecutive game despite practicing this week. They weren't going to rush him back on a short week. So neither one of those players coming back to face the 49ers in prime time. Yeah, well, first off, Corbin, thanks. I, in the in the uh, the words of Marshawn Lynch, I'm thankful to be here. Uh, happy early Thanksgiving, and um, yeah, Abe Lucas, I think, is another one that we looked at that, or you mentioned that uh, you know, is there there's a chance he might play, and certainly against a team like the 49ers. Now, you know, looking at the numbers, they're not quite the, the most dominant defense that they have been in the past, but they still have those playmakers, they still have those difference makers along the defensive line, so. It's a bummer not to have Abe Lucas. Obviously, the biggest story is Geno Smith ready to go because everyone just had that just lurch in their stomach, that just knot when he went down and watching what the offense looked like with a, a, a last-minute Drew Locke. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Um, bummer to lose Ken Walker, of course. Those are the two biggest positive and negatives there. Um, I am pretty excited to see the uh, the you know the Charbentosh show or whatever it is with Zach Charbonnet and and McIntosh or Dallas, you know, sprinkling in with uh, TJ Dallas as well. But, you know, Kenny McIntosh, hopefully we'll see his first action since, you know, speaking of Athens, Georgia, since he helped guide Georgia to their second straight national championship against TCU. So he hasn't played meaningful football since then. It'll be nice to see what he can do now. Any expectations? I know every, a lot of fans are excited to see him. I think expectations should be tempered a little bit just 
with the amount of carries he'll probably get a lot of you know amount of action he'll get but he does offer something um on third downs he's a good third down back um so corbin i just want to say also it's a, in a weird way i'm glad that if i had to pick a game like the rams to happen this season like a game like that i'm okay with it happening in a short week here we are on wednesday already full go into the game mode for tomorrow night's epic thanksgiving matchup with the 49ers i could not be more excited yeah, I actually asked Quadre Diggs about that after the game, if it was going to be a potential advantage or at least a positive to be able to say, you know what, we can't dwell on this loss because guess what, the 49ers are coming to town in three and a half days. And I, I do think that that is a positive coming out of this game is that you can't dwell because you've got to start moving forward. And certainly the Seahawks have done that. They have hit the ground running this week. You know Pete Carroll's trying to push the right buttons to get his guys to elevate their games for this contest. And, and having Geno Smith out there, that was truly the biggest question mark. I think we knew when we heard the word legit from Pete Carroll about Ken Walker III's injury on Sunday that there was no way in hell that he was going to be playing on Thursday night, especially the running back position. But having Geno Smith available with that elbow injury, that's obviously a huge uh, development for the Seahawks on offense, having him available. And and he was accurate last year against the 49ers. He had some key turnovers, but a lot of that was not his fault. Uh, dropped passes and fumbles and things like that weren't on him. So he's going to be hoping to get a little bit of redemption in this game after giving the 49ers some good fights last year, just not being able to put four quarters together against a team that, quite frankly, was far superior on both sides of the ball. The Seahawks believed they have they believe they've closed the gap, and this is going to be their opportunity to show that, especially coming off a game that they weren't happy with how they finished, ended up choking a game away that they were leading for over ninety five percent of the game. So uh, this is certainly you you can't overstate it. This is a crucial game for the Seahawks, and as crazy as it sounds, Nick, if they can find a way to win this one without Ken Walker the uh, third, they're going to be mostly at full strength. But if they can find a way to win this game. They are in first place in the NFC West because they have the tiebreaker on the 49ers with the same record. So they still have destiny out in front of them. They control it, but they have to take advantage of this opportunity and really show what they can do. And I guess the good news is they are going to have pretty much most of their hands on deck in this game. We might even see Kobe Bryant back on the field, too, with Jarek Reed, unfortunately, going on injured reserve here in the next 24 hours with a season-ending torn ACL. That's a huge blow on special teams, but at least you do have a proven player like Kobe Bryant who has started a bunch of games that is now ready to come right back into the lineup on special teams, maybe contribute on defense if needed in dime packages. Certainly being close to full strength at least gives you some optimism the Seahawks can, can hang tough and they can keep this game close. I know we used this reasoning last week with the Rams game and that didn't quite work out, but the last time the 49ers and Seahawks squared off, they didn't have guys named Devin Witherspoon, Jamal Adams, and Leonard Williams in the defensive lineup for the Seahawks. So, um, yeah, you, you mentioned closing the gap. Well, I think it's still there's a gap there for sure, talent-wise, top to bottom. Um, the, the Seahawks should be more competitive than that's just pretty much laugher of, of a in an NFC wildcard game in San Francisco last year, or earlier this year, I should say. Um, this, this is going to be, I think, much more competitive now. We'll, we'll talk final score here, at least with my on my side here in a little bit. But I, I do expect this to be more competitive than that. But um, th things need to go the Seahawks' way and in more ways than one to win this game. Yeah, this is one of those games when you have the underdog label where you need several dominoes to fall in your direction that uh, maybe in other games that you don't necessarily have to have in order to win the game. And 
that's what makes these matchups fun. When you are that underdog that's not expected to win, everybody's against you. The odds are against you. Pete Carroll's teams have typically risen to the occasion in those situations, and they're hoping that's going to be the case on Thursday night football. And, and maybe they could eat some turkey legs on their own home field against the 49ers after the game this time around. We'll just have to wait and see. But in order to do that, to make that happen, to get those turkey legs at midfield, after a win over the 49ers, Seahawks, they're going to have to do some great things on both sides of the ball. We're going to be dishing out our weekly game plan on offense and defense, the keys to victory for the Seahawks. We'll get to those here in a moment on our Blue Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by Game Time. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets in the last minute, the process can be anxiety-provoking, especially around the holidays. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy your tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater near you, and they've got killer deals on last-minute tickets with their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're wanting to see the Seahawks battle the 49ers tomorrow on Turkey Day using Game Time's awesome flash time deals app and a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome seats for under $100 right now, and it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row elsewhere, for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's right, 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the t- and use the code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You're listening to the Blue Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to check out, we have the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel with Locked On on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Make sure to check it out. All right, Nick, we are in a unique week, and the Seahawks get two of these back-to-back Thursday night games, and that, of course, changes up the schedule, not just for the players and the coaches, but for those of us that cover NFL teams. Thursday games, it changes up the schedule for us, so we had matchup Tuesday, and today we have keys to victory on a Wednesday. So let's start on the offensive side of the football for the Seahawks, who had some success at times against this 49ers defense a year ago. They were leading at halftime in the playoff game in January, and then things unraveled in the second half against a better football team. But looking at this rematch at Lumen Field, what is the first thing that stands out to you that the Seahawks absolutely have to accomplish to have a chance to pull the upset tomorrow night? <clears throat> Sorry, I've been day to day with a, you know, not feeling great. So if I don't sound great, that's why. So I'll be taking a lot more sips of water during the show. But <clears throat> so the the thing, the thing that sticks out to me is the run game. I mean, it's still it's still relevant. It's still how the Seahawks can win games, set up the play action. You know, at least 20 carries for Charbonnet, <clears throat> McIntosh and DJ Dallas. I was looking, I was kind of, I the, the number stuck out to me. Um, Zach Charbonnet is 4.9 yards per carry. I know it's limited action, 53 carries, but I, I kind of I extrapolate that over the NFL. 
minimum 50 carries. That is sixth best in the NFL, minimum 50 carries for running backs um, at, at, at 4.9 yards per carry. So Zach Charbonnet in a limited role has done pretty well. And now it's pretty much his show, you know, mixed in with some DJ Dallas and maybe some Kenny, um, Kenny McIntosh as well. But mixing those guys in, and I mentioned last week, <clears throat> Seahawks are undefeated when they get to 100 rushing yards as a team this year, 5-0. and And this is a tough team to do that against. But, you know, I think that getting 20-plus carries for this combination, I think will be symptomatic of, of an offense that at least is not getting stuffed for three and outs over and over again, especially, you know, in that late second quarter, third quarter area. Yeah, and it's interesting. The Seahawks actually got to that 20 carry mark last week, but not all 20 carry games are identical. And this one, most of that action came in the first half. And then when they got in the second half, they couldn't sustain drives. And they came out pass, pass, pass on the first drive, had a three and out, and they only had five carries the entire half. So there's got to be consistency there with the run game. You've got to be able to stay on the field. And I think the run game's got to be a key part of that, even without Ken Walker the third. Lean on Charbonnet's ability to run between the tackles. DJ Dallas can offer some of that ability too. Kenny McIntosh is not Ken Walker the third, but he's more of that change of pace, scat back style back. Let him get involved as well and utilize his unique skill set. He's probably the best pass catching back they've got on their roster. So you can do some fun stuff with him from that perspective. I'm going to keep it simple here. I just, all I want for Thanksgiving is a third quarter touchdown. You look at the numbers this year, Nick. 10 games, the Seahawks have scored nine touchdowns in the second half, not just the third quarter, the second half. And we talked about this earlier this week. Feels like it was longer ago than just two days ago. But on Monday, the Seahawks are the worst third down team on offense in the third quarter and the fourth quarter at 20% in both of those quarters. So it hasn't just been the inability to score points. It's been the inability to sustain drive. So maybe I'm being greedy here, but after getting just a field goal on Sunday the entire second half, all I want to see is the Seahawks find the end zone in the third quarter, something they have done sparingly here in the first 10 games of the season. And that might seem comical, but if they're going to win this game, they have to score points the second half, particularly field goals turned to touchdowns, not the other way around as we've seen far too much this season. Well, you know, whether that's <clears throat> Shane Waldron not adjusting at halftime or not adjusting to the adjustments that were made on defense on the ha- at halftime, you know, that's those are decisions made by people that make far more money than I do. Um, another interesting trend as well, like like with the with the, that the, these depressing second half numbers, Seahawks are actually four and zero when they score at least one touchdown in the third quarter. In fact, I don't, I don't think they've scored more more than one. So, on games where they score a touchdown in the third quarter, they are four and zero. So, I mean, that, that's, I know that might be trivial, but that also kind of leads to okay, well, they they probably did well in the first half. Now they've started the second half strong, and they kind of got some momentum, maybe built a lead. And that kind of thing. So the third quarter is turning into a very pivotal moment, which is weird um, for the for the for the Seahawks this year. And going to that as well, another pivotal thing, of course, is turnovers, especially with a team like the 49ers. They are they are you know let's let's be let's be honest, the superior team top to bottom. I mean, just as far as depth of talent, they are the superior team at the moment. And the, the 49ers are five and one when getting multiple turnovers on defense, and the Seahawks are three and zero themselves when they get on defense. Um, three plus on defense. So really, if if you let, you know, if they're five and one, when they get multiple turnovers, when you give the 49ers extra chances, when you give Shanahan extra chances, Brock Purdy, that offense, Christian McCaffrey, extra chances, you are pretty much like here, 
Happy Thanksgiving. Here, have this dub on our field. We'll just get have Apple turnovers as well. You know, you look at turnovers, they're not all created equal, and you want to avoid them at all costs anyway. But just look back at that game that these two teams played last December. Seattle had some momentum at the end of the first half, and then Travis Homer coughed up the football, and the 49ers returned it back close to the goal line. A couple plays later, they're in the end zone, and it was a potentially 10 to 14 point swing there because if the Seahawks can go down and get a field goal it's tied if they score a touchdown they have the lead going into the half and then they had the huge fumble by Geno Smith in the red zone last year in the playoff game and he got hit from behind it was just one of those crazy plays that unfortunately happens when your pass protection breaks down but those were back-breaking turnovers so there's there's turnovers and then there's bad turnovers and the Seahawks cannot afford to turn it over their own territory and they certainly can't afford to do it if they drive down to the red zone you cannot exit within like without get, at least getting three points probably seven in this game but if you don't get any that is going to be a recipe for a defeat against a really good football team now switching gears to the defensive side of things for the Seahawks. They only gave up 17 points in the loss to the Rams on Sunday. I know the fourth quarter, there was a little bit of a meltdown giving up two scoring drives. The penalties were a huge part of that, but the defense is still playing pretty well. This is going to be a monumental test for them though, because the 49ers have all their dudes healthy. They've got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. They've got Christian McCaffrey, the do-it-all MVP candidate. George Kittle, who we barely mentioned on Matchup Tuesday because, oh, there's all those other guys that we just talked about. This offense is absolutely loaded. So what do the Seahawks have to do to give themselves a chance on defense to be able to beat this 49ers team? Well, this is file this under easier said than done for sure. Um, and I'm going to throw out the, the number 114 and hold the 49ers to 114 yards rushing or less. And why I say that is because the 49ers are 5-0 and when rushing for over 150 or 115 yards or more this year. And when they reach that 115 rushing yard plateau, they are undefeated. And the Seahawks have allowed 115 plus three times. They're actually 2-1, and one, so they've been able to kind of shoulder that a little bit. And I know some of the you know game dictate dictates some of that, but with the 49ers and you got it's not just Christian McCaffrey who's having another just phenomenal season. Can't lose track of Debo Samuel. Elijah Mitchell can can get it going in the run game. Brock Purdy can kind of slip through and be a little slippery. He's a good athlete. So, yeah, just avoiding or avoiding letting the 49ers just completely dictate the game on the ground getting keeping Geno Smith and that offense on the sidelines and just sustaining drives with just lulling everyone to sleep. With that running game, that is going to be critical because if, as soon as they take control in that way, it's and you're limiting possessions for the Seahawks offense. They're in they're on a rhythm. The defense is on their heels and, and panting and tired. That's just a recipe for not only losing but losing bad. You mentioned the athleticism of Brock Purdy, and we had to see that in both games that he started last year against the Seahawks. We had to watch that slithery athleticism, the sneaky athleticism, getting away from pass rushers. The Seahawks in their last two games against the 49ers had a decent number of pressures. The problem is very few of those resulted in quarterback hits or sacks. They were not able to get home. And I think if you're going to win this football game, you've got to find a way to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And just pressuring him is not enough. You have got to find a way to get some hits on him, make him start thinking a little bit about that, 
And he has shown, even though he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, the few that he has thrown this year have been when teams have been able to get after him and get hits on him. He is still a quarterback that will make some questionable decisions with the football and, and trust his receivers maybe a little bit too much, even though he's got a ton of talent at the skill positions. You want to put him in that position. And I don't know why, but number seven, you know, seven is a great number this game. Having number seven under center is a huge deal for the Seahawks. But seven quarterback hits on Brock Purdy, that might be seem, seem like a lot, but that's what it's going to take in this game. You can't go through this game only getting two or three hits on him, one or zero sacks. Like If that happens, the 49ers are going to roll in this one. You have got to find ways to get the quarterback uncomfortable, disrupt the pocket, and get some frequent hits on him. Not just pressures. you got to deliver some blows to the quarterback. Obviously, legal ones, which is really not very many options at this point. But still, you've got to get clean hits on the quarterback as much as you can to try to get Brock Purdy off his game. And if you don't, he showed it last year in the two starts. He will dice him up. He'll move around the pocket. He'll extend plays. And when the plays are extended with the receiving talent this team has, uh, it's game over, even against a really good secondary like Seattle's. It's going to have to be an A game for this pass rush. Well, you said seven hits, QB hits sounds like a lot. It's because it is. And yeah, if you have an average game, if the Seahawks have an average game on defense, they're going to lose. They need an above average, better than average game. And that would include seven quarterback hits. Looking at the 49ers' last loss to the Bengals, they, had, they allowed seven quarterback hits, five just in between. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, two very fine pass rushers for the Bengals. So you'd like to see a game like that from like, you know, Boy Mafe, um, you know, Jaron Reed in the middle, or Leonard Williams, those kind of guys, uh, you know, uh, Mary Edwards getting, you know, racking up those pressures. The Seahawks had just three, as far as I can tell, on uh, Matt Stafford and six in their last win against the Commanders. And so, and the, the 49ers offensive line hasn't been as great this year as recent years. You know, they're 19th in pass block win rate, 17th in run block win rate. Pro Football Focus currently ranks them as 21st. So certainly they can be had if if you know you, you have the right game plan. And 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 also, you know, it's something that will definitely wreck any game plan is turnovers, like we mentioned. And on the flip side for the for the Seahawks, they gotta get one or more turnovers, not just not just one or more turnovers, but in plus territory. You got to set your your offense up for short fields, especially maybe in the third quarter. I don't know. Set up that easy third quarter touchdown. That might be the only way they can get the end zone. <laughs> and the 49ers in two of their three losses have actually had three turnovers. So clearly that's a recipe for their for their demise is getting to that three turnover margin. So one or more in plus territory specifically would you know you're setting your offense up for short fields. You know, you love where you start a drive instantly, pretty much in field goal range. And you work your way up from there, that kind of thing. With Jason Myers, I know he kind of he missed that really long kick to lose, but otherwise he's been rock solid since the first couple of weeks of the year. So you got to get yourself in position to get easy points. Yeah, that is an equalizer in a game where you're an underdog. If you can get a quick turnover and capitalize, even if you turn it into three points, that is a momentum swinging turn of events in a game where you're the underdog. And it feels like the Seahawks, a lot of the turnovers they were getting early in the year, they were on plus territory. And as of late, that hasn't been the case. This is a game where they've got to find a way, whether that's a strip sack, whether that's forcing a fumble on the running backs or after the catch, interception, whatever it is, they got to find a way to turn the ball over in plus territory, 
really good starting field position and let Geno Smith and company go down and hopefully get a touchdown. It'd be really nice if it was in the third quarter, you could tie some of these together. That would improve your odds tremendously to win this football game. Up next, we're going to dish out our weekly picks to click and game predictions. Don't go away. You're listening to a special edition blue Wednesday of locked on Seahawks. That is brought your way by prize picks. Prize picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America and it's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You're not battling thousands of other players, pros, and sharks. You are just picking more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks is simple to play. I can make my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. And now the fun part with basketball season being here, you can do combo projections with football and basketball from the specials leagues. So you could have Steph Curry and DK Metcalf at 10.5 three-pointers plus receptions. Want to play alongside some prize picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill, you can do that by going to the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Prize picks is an absolute blast and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any of the hassle and land quick winnings. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to Blue Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by my co host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of you 12s out there that make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This week going to be a little bit different. There will be a post-game show, but it's going to be a little bit shorter because it's going to be really late. We will have a show coming to you on Friday as well. Rob Rang, a rare Friday appearance from Mr. Rang. We will dive into in-depth takeaways, hopefully coming out of a Seahawks Thanksgiving victory over the 49ers. Let's get to our picks to click for this week, Nick. And I'll just say this, last week was a nightmare for both of us in most regards. Now, your offensive player had a really good game in Charles Cross, but both of us had players that didn't play or really didn't play, even though they were in uniform. That's the way that it panned out with Noah Fant and Jamal Adams. So we both had some offers. We're hoping we do better this week. So on the offensive side of the football, who is your pick to click against the 49ers on Thanksgiving? Well, I was just going back to the, their last meeting in the NFC wildcard game and I know it's kind of lost in the shuffle of that that turning into kind of a, a laughing a, a laugher at the end there, but DK Metcalf went off. He had ten catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns in that game against the 49ers in the playoffs on the road. Pretty impressive display. So I know some of it was you know trying to play catch up at, at the end there, but still, uh, I'm gonna go DK Metcalf. I, I just think that this is a game where. You know, the, the run game is going to have a little hard time gaining traction, perhaps. And, and Geno Smith is, you know, likes to take those shots. DK Metcalf is a great receiver at, at getting those shots. And maybe they pop one or two big plays for DK Metcalf. So I like DK Metcalf here. Seven catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I don't think he's going to go quite as crazy as he did in that NFC wildcard game. But I think he's going to be effective. And he does need to be effective, I think for the Seahawks to, to keep up in this game, especially if it's, you know, kind of a shootout style. I expect DK Metcalf to have a big game. 
I'm going to go with another receiver who I think has a really good matchup going into this game. And not that I don't think Metcalf can put up big numbers because he's had some really good games against the 49ers, including that wild card matchup. He and Chavarius Ward, that is a really fun back and forth battle that has developed here in the NFC West. But I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, you look at who's he's going to be going up against in this game. Lenore is a solid slot corner, but he is a smaller slot corner. This should be a matchup where a pretty good size Jackson Smith and Jigba can use that size and physicality to do a lot of damage, particularly going over the middle and being able to take advantage of that size uh, mismatch against Lenore. And also with Hafunga being out for the season with a torn ACL, the 49ers have liked to put him on slot receivers at times. They're not going to be able to do that now. They're going to have a rookie in Jair Brown out of Penn State who looked pretty solid last week in his first extended action. But still, he's a rookie. He's a mid-round pick. That is a matchup that if he's going against Jackson Smith and Jigba and you're the Seahawks, you had to be circling that, hey, we can take advantage of this, especially since Smith and Jigba has been playing better the last four or five games. And so I think that this is a game that we could see JSN really come into his own and throw himself into the mix in this hardcore rivalry between the Seahawks and the 49ers. I got him going for six catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Now, whether that leads to a win, that remains to be seen. On the defensive side of the football, Nick, this is a big test. We just mentioned last segment all the big names the 49ers have at the skill positions. A top 10 quarterback, I'm not afraid to say that at this point. Brock Purdy is a top 10 quarterback right now. All the weapons at his disposal. Who is your pick to click on defense if the Seahawks are going to have a chance to win this one? Well, we talked about you know getting to seven quarterback hits as a kind of a benchmark. And I think if the Seahawks are going to get to that level, Leonard Williams is going to have to participate in that. He's actually played very well against the 49ers as a member of the Giants. In three games, he has two sacks, including at least half a sack in each of those games. And when the Giants played the 49ers earlier in the year, um, he had six tackles, half a sack, and two quarterback hits. So sign me up for that, for sure, And in, in this game. If, if he were able to replicate that stat line in this game, absolutely sign me up for that. So I'm going to go Leonard Williams. And you know, like I said, you know, the, the 49ers offensive line isn't as stalwart as they once were, you know, injuries and things like that. But um, I think Leonard Williams can can get 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 in there, and he's shown it already against this very same team. I'm going to go with a player who I don't think has had a bad season, but teams have really not thrown the ball his direction very much, and it's limited his ability to make plays. But I don't think that's going to be the case on Thursday night. I think Brock Purdy will take some shots downfield with the receivers, with the tight end and George Kittle that he's got. And Quandre Diggs has had some of his better games in his career against the 49ers, particularly when he's been asked to cover Kittle downfield. He's made some big hits. He's knocked the ball loose. He's had some interceptions. If the Seahawks can muster a pass rush, I believe they'll be able to get some pressure on Brock Purdy. Will it be enough? We'll have to wait and see. But I think that there's going to be a few throws downfield that number six is going to have a chance to finally get his hands on an interception. He's only got one this year. I think he's going to get number two in this game. And I also think he's going to be active against the run. They're going to have him playing up in the box a little more because we know what the 49ers like to do. So seven tackles, a pick, and a tackle for loss. I think this is a big game for Quandre Diggs, and I think they need a big game from him with all the weapons the 49ers have. And the fact that they like to set up some of those shot plays with the run game off play action, he has to be ready for those and be able to jump routes. And I think this is a game that he's got a chance to make some big plays. Real quick, Nick, I'm going to dish out my projection for this game, my prediction 
on tomorrow's crossover since this week's schedule's mixed up a little bit. But I want to hear from you. Seahawks are seven-point underdogs at home on Thanksgiving. Do you see the Seahawks being able to keep this game within seven points, or are the 49ers going to come to town and cover? Well, you know, the building's going to be juiced. You know, the, the mashed potatoes and gravy will be flowing. <laughs> It'll be just an awesome, awesome atmosphere. Um, Seahawks have three straight losses to the 49ers, including two by 18 plus points. However, the last two in Seattle have been one score games. And the last time Corbin, the Seahawks lost four straight to the 49ers was over the 2010, 2012 seasons. It's been a long time. So history favors the Seahawks keeping it close. I would feel a lot better if the 49ers didn't have, it didn't just have two get right games, which I feel like they did following their bye. So they're humming. Brock Purdy is the terminator right now. Seahawks really tripped over their own shoelaces last week, and I really hate that 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 kind of killed some momentum. I would love to see Geno Smith and you know Spoon, all those guys diving into a Turk ducking over over the field, but I just don't see it happening. I think the 49ers win 27-17. Seahawks competitive for a while, but the, the the talent takes over. Yeah, I think that this is a game. You know, I'll have my prediction tomorrow, and maybe I'll sleep on it and change my mind a little bit. But the seven points, I'm actually surprised it wasn't a little bit more going into this game. Just the way the 49ers have played the last couple of weeks out of that bye, all their players for the most part being healthy on offense, having Trent Williams back on that offensive line, uh, how well the defense has been playing. You know, I, I think seven points is going to be tough for the Seahawks to try to get within that. Even at home, playing on a national stage, they've usually been a really good primetime team. Maybe that helps them out. They were able to keep things close last year. Although I don't think that game in December at Lumen Field was as close as the final score indicated. The 49ers really dominated that game. So we'll see. I'll dish out my prediction on tomorrow's crossover. But I do have a, a feeling right now that it's going to be difficult for them to be able to keep this game within a touchdown against a really darn good 49ers football team. But we'll see what I'm thinking when we get to the crossover special tomorrow. I've had another night to think this game over heading into Turkey Day. As always, you can follow me on threads at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nickley51 on X. Make sure to subscribe to Locked on Seahawks on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Don't forget tomorrow after the game, we'll have a little shorter than usual, but we will have our post-game Thanksgiving episode. Make sure that you are listening in. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your day. Go Hawks!